Welcome to Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations with Nina Impala. Do you have questions about death? How about events surrounding death? Or perhaps you have questions that need to be answered after death. On this program, we talk frankly and openly about the subject and invite you to share your comments and experiences as well. Now, here is your host, Nina Impala. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for joining me today on Inspiring End of Life Conversations. We have got an excellent show here today. I'm so excited about it. Um, we're going to be talking to a beautiful woman named Denise de Simone. Her book, From Fourth Stage to Center Stage, is a story of extraordinary courage, strength, and deep spirituality. Given three months to live because of stage four throat and neck cancer to singing the national anthem before a Red Sox game at Fenway Park in Boston, to riding her bicycle 87 miles in one day to raise money for children's cancer, research with the Pan Mass Challenge is proof that the unexpected can be achieved. Denise is an ordained interfaith minister, an inspirational motivational speaker, a singer, and also certified in multiple alternative healing modalities. She is a wellness coach to cancer patients. Denise also created Great Peace, a multimedia offering of personal and global peace. Denise lives between Greensboro, North Carolina, and Newburyport, Massachusetts. So I just want you all to listen in today because her story is very different than what we're used to hearing about cancer. And we are going to be talking about the way she moved through this in the most positive and courageous way. So welcome to the show, Denise. Thank you, Nina. Thank you very much. I'm honored Glad to have you here today. And I really want to start with what moved me so much in your book. And I kind of want you to tell our audience how you got there. So Denise, I'll give a little talk a little bit about this before I let her jump in. Denise gave her cancer a name and she decided to befriend it instead of battling it. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. When she talked to her cancer, the cancer said, the more you love yourself, the less reason there is for me to be here. The more light you can hold, the less room there will be for me. That touched me so much when I read it, Denise, because so many of us, a lot of times, don't say what we need to say, and we stuff our feelings. Mm-hmm. And what I want to know is, you know, if anybody's listening out there, you know, when you get a cancer diagnosis, you think about what goes through your mind, correct? Mm. And then you kind of had to give it a different perspective, I guess. Or can you tell us how you got to that place where you're going, okay, I need to be friends with this instead of fight with it? Well, that's a great question, Nina. And I am, I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> and you're Italian. I am Italian. I'm basically <laughs> Italian. I'm a lover, not a fighter. And I wasn't going to fight with, <clears throat> you know, something that um, was already hot and already had a lot of charge. And I realized that battling was not in my lexicon of how to deal with this. It was going to be much easier for me, although, you know, it flies in the face of the collective consciousness or collective belief system about battling as opposed to befriending like I did. 
And I realized that the energy I did have, I didn't want to use it to fight with it. Fighting with cancer is fighting with yourself. And I think that is partly where, I'm not saying always, but part of the process by which cancer is comes into the human experience, mm-hmm. I believe, is because there are things, old wounds that are unhealed. And I realized that I had a better approach to befriending it. You know, when the schoolyard bully's coming out and wanting to beat at people, you don't want to be on the opposite side of the fence from the schoolyard bully. You want to be on the same side. And it's kind of like cancer had a lot of, uh, it does to a lot of people have bully energy. And I thought, you know what? The, the best way to unbully a bully is to just fill it with love. And that's the approach I took. And I decided I would, you know, make friends with it and name it and ask it, what are you here to teach me? Yeah. And it gave me a lot of answers, which we will get to. Yes, we will get to them. And, and, and I want you to just, you know, bring them up while we're talking because, you know, my own mom, you know, she, she died of breast cancer. It was really hard. And I never wanted her to feel like a failure. I didn't want her to feel like she failed. She didn't do anything wrong. And your book, when I read your book, it, it made it so clear to me that when you're battling something and you lose, then that means that you're, you did something wrong or you weren't good enough or, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. I, I just, I don't want anybody going out of this world that way, you know? And I think that it was so important to, you know, from let's say moving forward after this show, you know, when I'm with people because of your book, because of the things you say, I would be like, you know, let's, let's look at this a little bit differently because Mm -hmm. right. It's something that entered your body, our environment, even with COVID going on right now, stress, maybe even holding on to words because we're afraid to say things. We've been living in the same house with people for a long time, but all of these things build up in our bodies and cause a lot of problems. And the way that you decided to move through this and some of the other stuff that you talked about, like when you got mad at Penn, you know, like you're like, get out of here. You don't want, what is it going to do? What do I have to do to get you to leave? Mm-hmm. I thought that was such a great question to mm-hmm. ask cancer, you know, what do I need to do to get you to leave my body? Mm. Yeah, and that's when, you know, first of all, when there's a battle, there's a war, and there's enough war going on. You don't want to create a war inside yourself. Um, when I asked him that, and the t- there were lots of lessons, but the three major ones I highlight in the book are, the first one was, yes, what you already mentioned, the more light you can hold, the less room for me. And the more you love yourself, the less reason for me to stick around. And the other one was, I think, the most important one of all, when Penn said, you know, stop beating yourself up for nothing. And when I responded, and this was in, this was, we don't have the time to get into it, but this process by which I uncovered this um, and unearthed this, these lessons um, was a deep meditative automatic writing kind of um, process. And if people out there listening need any um, coaching about this, feel free to contact me. But the other one that really struck me was when Pence said, stop beating yourself up for nothing. And my response was, and then very indignantly, I'm not beating myself up for nothing. And Pence said, it doesn't feel that way in here. 
in here. Exactly. Wow. So and that, that's, that caused me to really, really listen up and take a pause and, and really do some soul searching. And, yeah. you know, as I, as I, I always say, you know, the, the, the first thing you need to do is really be truly honest. And, you know, I indignantly responded, I'm not beating myself up. But when I really thought about it yeah, and felt my way through it and opened my heart to the possibility that I could be better to myself. Correct. Um, you know, if we talked to our friends the way we talked to ourselves, we wouldn't have many friends. And I really had to look at that and look at how often I was beating myself up. We do it all the time for nothing. No, for you know, nothing. it's really, that's beautiful. That's a, that's a really beautiful way that you put that about your friends. In, you know, and with my own clients, I'll always say to them, I want you to think of a child that mm-hmm. you love so much. And that's how I want you to treat yourself. Because if that child was going through something hard, would you beat that child up? Would you not give them, you know, a chocolate chip cookie after dinner? Would you, you know, just say, hey, you're on your own? No, you wouldn't. Put them on your lap. Give them a cookie and say, hey, let's talk about this. Let's get you yeah. through it. You know, and I, I just, I, I love this kind of thinking with cancer. And, you know, I, I know that, you know, other people that I have known that have had cancer and of course losing my own mom, it, it was like I was always trying to find the words. And this is beautiful information, Denise, for other people that are listening out there to say, hey, let's, let's take a look at this a little bit differently. Because when you go in and do the self-awareness, so to speak, yes, going inside and start inquiring, mm-hmm. why is this here? Why is this going on in me? And then looking at your life, you mm-hmm. know, and, and what you need to fix in your life mm-hmm. or who you need to talk to or who you need to forgive. And the healing part of this is so important. One of the things that you did say, and I kind of want to bring this up only because when we talk about healing and healing the body, like you still didn't know whether you're going to live or die. You wanted to just get this cancer out of your body, right? No, um, no, no. Okay. No. Um, I, I didn't just want to get it out of my body. That that wasn't my approach at all. Okay. I wanted to learn the lessons that would help me create more, you know, more health in the area that wasn't as healthy and happy. Okay. And usher it on and usher it out of my 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 temple okay. on a on a on a little you know, vibration of love. I didn't just want to get it out. That That is like, okay, just the doctor, okay, take a knife, cut this out, get rid of it. Good point. So I instead wanted of to learn the lessons. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to learn the lessons. Learn the lessons. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't return. It wouldn't come back. And you know what? I didn't, I didn't have, I think often people are, nobody wants to die, but, you know, we can't get away with it. We got to die. Um, and at that point in time, I thought, you know, if I'm going to die, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to slide into home plate in front of God and all of the saints and they, wherever the heck we go with, you know, fear and anger and all this. I'm, I'm going and I'm going happy and I'm going to live the rest of my life, whether it's a day or a month or a year or 10 years. Okay, so let's talk about that. So when you say, so when we're healing our bodies, this is a really important point you just made here. 
healing doesn't always mean you're going to be alive, right? right. You could, but still heal, you know, what's going on with your soul. That's right. Right. So I think that's really important. And, and, you know, and in hospice, in my experience with hospice too, you know, when I've worked with people before, when we pray for healing for people, sometimes it is just healing the soul before the person can leave. Right. But what a sense of peace. Like mm-hmm. you said, whether you live a day, whether you live a month, whether you live a year, mm-hmm. you've done the work. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and this show is, a, is about living and about dying. So it's, it's important to heal because our souls all come here for a purpose. I'm one that believes in that. I don't know if everybody believes in that, but I do believe my soul came here for a purpose and I want it to grow. Mm-hmm. And so in order for it to grow, there's a lot of lessons that I got to learn. Most people that know me well know that I've had a lot of lessons, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I think it's really important to be able to leave this world at mm-hmm. peace mm-hmm. and in a good place and knowing and, that you've done the forgiving and you're content in your own heart and you're li- living a good life. Yeah. And, and, and that comes without saying, and it comes with not just a cancer diagnosis, but with life in general, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I wasn't, I wasn't attached to living or dying, to be honest with you. If I died, I died. I'm really, I would be sorry for my friends and family. They'd miss me, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's just process of what we call life but you're right if if it's not just going off and being happy and clear in your soul for when you die it's to be happy in the moment of the every day and it's 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 critical to living really living a full life and I believe that when we really look death in the face and accept that we're going to die then you can start living then you're like woohoo yeah. Do you, did you were you concerned about living well about dying when before you got diagnosed with your cancer or is that something that kind of evolved in you because that you got cancer? I'm not sure I understand what you mean. So if you so when you said um you know you didn't want to die and if you did you'd be sorry for your families and stuff. Did you feel that way before a cancer diagnosis or is that something that kind of evolved after your cancer diagnosis? Um I've never been afraid to die. I'm quite fascinated by it. I think <laughs> probably the biggest payoff of our wonderful life <laughs> we get to go home. I'm right there with you. Um, you know and 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 you know I I knew that I knew that Curing was the work of the doctors, and healing me from the inside out was the work of my soul. And and cancer kind of opened up the the gateway and the avenue for me to travel down that, mm-hmm. um, you know, to to realize uh, all of that. But I I really didn't think much about it, other than I wasn't really afraid of it. Yeah, that's fantastic. It Most is people really- are afraid to die. No, I'm not afraid to die, but that's why I have this show, so other people aren't afraid to die either. Yeah, yeah. We are going to go to a break, and when we get back, we are going to be talking about your documentary, so stay with us. Cool. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Nina offers an alternative to traditional counseling. Sessions are not just 50 minutes, but a full hour. When you go in for a regular counseling session, many times you don't remember everything. Nina's difference is a summary email after each session and or a follow-up phone call if needed up to two weeks after. Nina also provides hospital visit consultations as necessary. Sessions with Nina and Paula are $250. And if you book a three-session package, you will get a $100 discount. Let's get you feeling peaceful and happy again. Losing someone we love is one of the most challenging, fearful, and heart-rending experiences we are ever likely to face. In her book, Dearly Departed, Nina Impala shares stories of her experiences as a hospice volunteer for more than 12 years and how those experiences prepared her for the final days of her own parents. Nina emphasizes the importance of being a good listener and living a good life. Dearly Departed by Nina Impala is available in paperback or Kindle edition through Amazon.com or your favorite book retailer. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to inspiring end-of-life conversations if you have a question for nina impala or her guest today call into our program at 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 or send an email to tutoring for the spirit at gmail.com now back to this week's program hi there we're back we are back with Denise De Simone and her beautiful book, From Fourth Stage to Center Stage. And I want to talk about your documentary, Denise. I want to hear about it, and I want our fans to hear about it. And if you could tell us what made you decide to do the documentary after writing the book. Well, a friend of mine, I wrote the book From Stage 4 to Center Stage, uh, and it was, so I got diagnosed in 2005, took about two or three years to really come back to life, mm-hmm. and then I wrote the book, it was published in 2000, July of 2011, and then I was going about my business, and everything changed, the trajectory of my life um, was very different than it was before cancer. And a friend of mine said, um, why don't you do a documentary? This would make a fabulous inspirational story. And I said, um, yeah, okay, maybe I'll think about it. And it took about another year or a year and a half. And I said, and she kept kind of pinging me. And I said, uh, okay, um, I don't know the first thing about doing a documentary. But then again, I didn't know the first thing about writing a book either. <laughs> yes, the book's fabulous. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And so... Um, So I pulled together a team of people that I knew could do some filming and 
you know, it's when you know when you put your mind to something, providence rushes in, and the guidance and the spirit, or whatever you want to call it, I believe you have to know the why, and spirit figures out how, and then all these people show up that can help you that you may not even have known before. And it's kind of what happened. So we did a lot of filming, and it took about three and a half years, but I realized that I had, um, I did have a lot more to say in a way that couldn't just be written in a book, that could be emoted and expressed. And so, I mean, you saw the documentary. It's I did. It brought tears to my eyes, mostly because it moved me so much. Mm-hmm. And I'm be honest with you, you know, during COVID, it, it's it's been very difficult, you know, for I'm um, being able to see my clients and things like that. And your the documentary was so it it was uplifting, Denise. It really was very uplifting and beautiful about the different things you know I think what was so important to see in the documentary that I didn't see in the book the difference is the the people your sisters the people that you met along the way how about the woman that you met in the store oh yeah Alice (laughs) tell us a little bit about that story we got time go ahead because it's beautiful well you know again you just kind of where you were at and 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 you don't sometimes question but I was um you know going for my um, biopsy and I met a woman in a store who had a pad a big bandage on her neck and I asked her what was going on and she said oh I had a lump and they thought I had cancer but I had Lyme disease and it was right before I was having my biopsy with the doctor who told me there was nothing to worry about and then yeah, she told me oh if you need these oncologists in Boston this is who I went to and I'm like yeah I won't need them but I did take the number and after they woke me up in the operating room and told me that I had to get going fast. I had a very aggressive cancer. And when I asked if I had lymphoma, the doctor said, I, I wish you had lymphoma. You'd be in a lot better shape. Yeah. And so Alice just was um, became a fast friend and was a, a real support for me. And uh, as is. Sweet stranger, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I love in the documentary how she said I taught her to be a better stranger. <laughs> Um, and, and it's so true. We need to be better strangers to people and, and see yeah. where we can help. And, you know, I had so many. I, I love the the fact that Marsha, my best friend forever, 40 plus years, and my sister, my main caregivers, although it did take a village, um, had a chance to really share their story as well because caregivers are so so important i dedicated my book to caregivers because without them i wouldn't be alive i'll tell you that right now yeah and uh, that's the case for a lot of people and i i love that they shared um and all the people that helped me in that kind of town hall gallery atmosphere that we had everybody talking about what it was like for them because it's not just a story about the person dealing with cancer Mm-hmm. It's a real story about all the people who are involved. Everybody goes on that journey. Oh, and you were so loved by so many people. I mean, you know, the people that you ride in the bikes um, with the um, with the, the Pan Mass race that you do. It's, what, 85 miles or something? The Pan Mass challenge is um, about 200 miles for both days. I, I do the, the one day, which is about 90 miles. 
okay, but that's still, I mean, you know, and you have a lot of people that know you that have done that. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that, you know, when you got your diagnosis, so many people were there. And then the alternative healing that you did, let's take a little minute and talk about that because you, you did both. You did the Western medicine stuff that you had to do. And then you did a lot of holistic healing. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to describe this, so I'm going to let you do it. What would you, how would you describe sound healing? When, you know, because not a lot of people know what that is, but I believe in it. I love the bowls. I love the crystal bowls. I love all that stuff. I love the didgeridoo and the drums. It does. Well, yeah, I didn't do a lot of sound healing at that point. Oh. Um, I, I did use, I mean, sound is nothing but vibration and healing, mm-hmm. whether you're on the spectrum of really ill or, or really fit. Um, it's all a vibration. So yep. during the process by which I um, was doing a lot of healing, you know, I had no voice. I couldn't speak. I couldn't sing. That's why singing the National Anthem at Fenway Park, just not even two years after diagnosis, mm-hmm. was something that nobody ever thought I could do because they mm-hmm. told me I would possibly lose my singing voice and the probability was high. So for me to do that, it was exceptional. But what I did do so I couldn't really use and do a lot of sound healing because my version of sound healing is I teach classes and teach seminars and workshops to teach people how to use their own voice mm. and clear vibration with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I'm a Reiki master. I'm a clarity therapist. I am a certified sound healer. I, I'm a reflexologist. I'm an interfaith minister. I mean, I've been doing natural Reiki healing for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of alternatives at different alternative um, centers where there are doctors, naturopaths. And yeah. I did a plethora. In fact, if you go to my website, there's a bunch. Um, there is there's a list of everyone with an explanation of going into an infrared sauna to going into a right. chamber to getting you know, heavy doses of vitamin C and, 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 and vitamins from Germany infused um, every week. I spent everything I had, but it was, <laughs> it was important because I love alternatives it. are, you know, yeah. we have to, and I did radiation. I did a lot of radiation, which that, that in and of itself is very exhausting. And, and it's mind, body, spirit. You were working yeah. on all three you know, with some of the things you were doing. And one of the stories, I don't know, was this in your documentary about the lady being body? Or was that in your book? Uh, it's both. That was uh, Chun. I worked with a woman from Korea and she was... Um, Tell some, us about that. That was pretty fascinating. She Thanks. was a friend, of, uh, my, a friend of mine. I didn't know her and she was a healer from Korea. And this woman wanted to take me to see this woman, Chun. And so about the second week of radiation, I said, all right, I'll go. Um, and I was was with her. The story's a little long, so I will shorten it. Okay. Um, I was on the floor. She was next to me. She didn't really speak English, and she kept tapping on my heart center and telling me to be in body, and that went on for about an hour. And didn't that feel weird? Well, you know, I've done an awful lot of self-improvement and self-actualization, but I never mm-hmm. had anything quite like that. Okay, yes, it was weird. So I, went home. I went home, and I had said to my friend, because my friend wanted to pay for it, and it was 300 bucks a session, and I said, you know, we don't need to do that again. Well, within an hour, 
I was curled up in the fetal position on the floor, sobbing like I hadn't cried since my mom died. Wow. And it was cathartic. And I thought, what the heck did that, what was <laughs> Anyway, so I called my friend and we went back the next week. And I thought, oh, I wonder what she's going to do now. Well, she started doing the same thing, be in body, tapping on my chest. And I thought, oh, my Lord, <laughs> where's this right? going? I was and fascinated she, by that. I really yeah. was. Because and, then, and then she stopped. Mm-hmm. And she started asking me questions. Mm-hmm. And she um, wanted to know if I had brothers and sisters. I said, yes, I have two of each. They're much older. Is your mom alive? No, my mom has passed. Is your father alive? No, he's passed. Um, and then she started asking me, you know, was my dad a good guy? And my dad and I, I love my dad. And I, I'm, you know, I came into their lives nine years after they had no kids. They were in their middle 40s. He didn't quite know what to do with me. And he was a very old school Italian, and 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 I was a really feisty, wanted to know why everything was the way it was kind of kid. And as I grew into adulthood, we had our differences as well, but a lot of love. And he, he was, um, he was who he was. And so she started asking me about my dad being a good guy, and I started spewing all this stuff and. At one point, she leaned over right into my face, and she said, are you doing the best you can do? Almost in perfect English. And I said, yeah. And she said, well, why didn't your father, why don't you think your father did the best he could do? And it it stopped me. I just burst into tears. Yep. And in that moment, that was the pivotal healing moment for me because How I realized beautiful. my That's- dad did the best he could do. That's right. And we all do the best we can do. And at that moment, Nina, my healing went so deep because I realized that underneath all of whatever was happening and all the cells that were not happy, I needed to forgive myself first for anything and then to forgive my dad and everybody or anybody else and especially him. And I'm telling you, my, my healing took... It took off at that point. It really did. I had to do the work. You can't just take a spiritual bypass and go, oh, gee, isn't this great? I have cancer and I'll work on it. Oh, no. No, it's it's work. You know, I've told so many people that would have said to me during the years, you know, you're such a spiritual person. And it's work, you know, and it's a lot of work. It's hard work. But it's what a soul came here to do. That's what I always say. It's just what a soul came here to do. And I, I, it's probably, you know, if when anything comes into my own life, you know, I always take a peek at, you know, why is this here? Why is this hanging out right now? Why am I going through this right now? And take a look at it. And especially with COVID, as we all know, mm-hmm. it just yeah. brings up so much. Yeah, this is, this is, a, this is a really interesting time, Nina. You know, Denise, when you talk about the healing that you had with this lady, I want to just pause for a moment because when we say I actually wrote an article myself and it's called you did the best you could Mm. if you're a loving individual I'm a loving individual you're a loving individual mostly everything that we do comes from loves even the mistakes we make yeah even the things that we don't say we push them down especially for people of service we push it down you know I don't want to upset anybody or I'll let it work itself out. But mm. if it lingers and it hangs around, to me, that's always the invitation, right? That's the invitation. And so if I start thinking about things 
sometimes in my own life and they stay with me for a while. To me, that's the invitation. It's something that needs to be healed inside of me. Mm-hmm. And I think if everybody can do that, and you really take a look inside when you're having a reaction. Mm-hmm. Like when she said that to you and it hit home, mm-hmm. pay attention to it and then do the work. Mm-hmm. Because it's almost like, I, I just think they're kind of like signs from God. Mm. Because they, they come in and it triggers something like for you it was crying and, and it, your healing took off after that. So bingo, mm. won the jackpot there, you know, that you got to unload all that and, and, be for, and forgive. Mm-hmm. And I think many of us, you know, with our parents, they did do the best they could. They did. And even myself, I'm a parent. I did the best I could. Yeah, there's no rule book that comes with giving birth to a baby and raising them. I mean, it's a, it's the toughest gig in the world. And, right. And, you know, and like she said, be in body. Yeah. And that was just the one, those three words for mm-hmm. you, just be mm-hmm. in bodies. Pay attention to yourself. Yeah. And most of the time we think a lot of people live from the in, outside in instead of the inside out. And, you know, right. I always, I teach a lot of classes in, in my life class, which is mm-hmm. live in full expression. I teach that, you know, react and create have the same letters. And you're right, you get a reaction you can keep reacting, reacting. Most of the time we're reacting, it's coming from a place of, of, of old woundedness. But if we can change those, just move the letters around from the word react, you have create. create. Wow. And you can create. Now, I was able to stop reacting to all of this stuff that was going on and go inside. And this takes um, a willingness and a strength, an internal strength to really know thyself. And to go inside and look at, you know, what do I want to create for myself? I'm tired of even this COVID thing. Stop reacting to so much assault on our senses and fear that's coming at us from the outside. You know, right now, we're being called inward in our homes and in our inner home, in our own soul, our own heart. And and the people that will do that and go in are the light workers that are going to hold this energy for the healing to take place unfortunately we have to there's a lot of people that are that are moving on to the next realm but who knows why they were called there maybe there's something going on on the other side that they're going to band together and help all of us create a new world we're we're in an emergence we're in the birth canal right now yeah i was in the birth canal i i gave you know i ate from a feeding tube for that's how i was fed for nine months and I have a scar, and I always say my navel is my birth. My scar from my feeding tube is my rebirth. We we are always being reborn, and there's a big rebirth going on right now. And pain, I've never given birth, but I know it's pretty painful, and we're in the birth canal right yeah. now. No, it's true. If um, There was something I was going to say about that, and we're going to get to it. I know we got to go to another break right now. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk, I want to talk about the negative thoughts. I really do. And I think because of COVID right now, I want to give our our, um, audience some help with that. So let's go to break and we will talk about that when we get back. Thanks for listening, guys. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Nina offers an alternative to traditional counseling. Sessions are not just 50 minutes, but a full hour. When you go in for a regular counseling session, many times you don't remember everything. Nina's difference is a summary email after each session and or a follow-up phone call if needed up to two weeks after. Nina also provides hospital visit consultations as necessary. Sessions with Nina and Paula are $250, and if you book a three-session package, you will get a $100 discount. Let's get you feeling peaceful and happy again. Losing someone we love is one of the most challenging, fearful, and heart-rending experiences we are ever likely to face. In her book, Dearly Departed, Nina Impala shares stories of her experiences as a hospice volunteer for more than 12 years and how those experiences prepared her for the final days of her own parents. Nina emphasizes the importance of being a good listener and living a good life. Dearly Departed by Nina Impala is available in paperback or Kindle edition through Amazon.com or your favorite book retailer. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations. If you have a question for Nina Impala or her guest today, call into our program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to tutoringforthespirit at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, we're back. You know, Denise... I read the the sweetest little acronym. I'm not sure. I think maybe when we were talking on the phone, you called it ANTS, Automatic Negative Thoughts, and that we have 7,000 per day. Oh, no, no, 75. We The human brain has about 75,000 per day, right? About 75,000 okay. thoughts per day. Yeah. And so hey, I think ahead. it's more now, lately. Uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And so. Yeah, you're probably like, right. I want to talk about that a little bit because I think, you know, everything that you've talked about today, really, whether it's cancer, we're talking or, or just going through a lot of stress in your life and those kinds of things. How do we get it out of our body? How do we not hold on to it? And with COVID, we've been going through so much stress. I mean, I'll, I'll raise my hand up high. It is, it's been hard for me. And I know a lot of the people that I love in my life are struggling a lot with it too. So... Mm-hmm. Maybe we could give some tips or some helpful things for people when they start to have stress, anxiety, sadness, anger. Well, you know, I think that that's a good point. And for me, you know, um, I always, I was kind of, I was in training dealing with cancer for something like this COVID uh, situation. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the ANTS, the acronym stands for automatic negative thoughts, the S's that steal our good. Okay. I love that. All right. And, and I do believe that 
you know, we have to think about what we're thinking about, which most, most people don't think about it. And they're not paying attention to what they're paying attention to. We kind of get in this routine and like the hamster, you know. And I believe once you start to realize, or for me, when I started to think about, you know, I'm kind of like thinking, I'm not liking what I'm thinking right now. And if you can get to the point, and again, this isn't just an overnight or just, oh, make a decision and it's done. No. But I believe that one of the things that's really good, especially now, is have what I teach and I've called the replacement statement. Nice. So all of a sudden you're running and running and running. Your brain's running and running and running. First of all, get down in your heart. Put your hand on your heart and say, what's my heart saying? Because my mind's going to drive me into the creek and all the blood. Good point. But my heart's going to open up and help mm-hmm. me and guide me. Mm-hmm. And so I... I, you know, when I work with people with cancer or what have you, I suggest that even if they have a replacement statement that they go to when they realize their thoughts are being negative and they maybe just their, their automatic default, and this takes practice, is I love my body and I trust its wisdom or I'm healed, I'm whole, I'm healthy. Mm-hmm. And um, or all is well in my world in this now moment. I don't care what it is, but have something in what I call the spiritual toolkit for when we need to call upon, like we go to the gym to make our muscles strong. Correct. We need to pick something up. We're going to be strong and we're not going to hurt ourselves. Well, it's kind of the same thing with spiritual wellness. You Mm -hmm. need to have these tools and start to build your kit, if you will, mm-hmm. and you can have things to call upon for times that we find ourselves in now. And whether you're listening and you're dealing with cancer or you know somebody or somebody's just, you know, passed on from COVID and you're trying to find some place to have some some support or, or a little bit of peace, um, whatever it is, the peace is inside of you. It is. It doesn't leave. It's always there. We just got to. And we need to trust that. A lot of people think it's someone else that's going to make it okay. Nobody else is going to make it okay. Yes, people love us. And now all of a sudden we've got nobody we can even hug. Can't be with the people we love when they're dying. I know. Um, This is is really testing. It is. This is really, really testing our spiritual muscles. You know, and when this is. One of the other little statements that you said was doorway to transition. Transformation. Transformation. And so I, I vacillate in between that right now. Like I, I love doing radio and this show, working with the Voice America team. Is, it's an amazing experience. I'm loving it. But I also feel like in a way – very much like yourself when you were going through everything that you were going through, that your life changed for the better with mm-hmm. cancer. Yeah. And our lives, and that was a big statement to put out there, you guys, but our lives, I mean, when I here with my partner and we're watching TV or turning on the news and things like that, you know, I, I do get tense. I do. I'll openly admit it because I hear a lot of things that I'm just not sure of, but Deep inside of this spiritual woman, there's definitely a sense that there's a massive transition going on. It's planetary. Absolutely. You know that. That's right. Am I kicking and screaming through the whole thing? Oh, yeah. 
yeah. it's uncomfortable but when we're uncomfortable we're learning well i think i'm going to suggest what i've been doing and that's turn off cnn and i watch the andy griffith show okay <laughs> <laughs> proposal things yeah or, or maybe bonanza or you know or some carol oh. burnett show yeah i yeah. mean you know you got to do the things you got to do no, it's true. It's true. And I, I think that a lot of the things that you're doing are, are quite helpful. And I, I think that all of us need to kind of take a different perspective. And like when you're talking about um, a door, you know, changing your words, I always call that reframing. Like, how can we put this another way? Mm-hmm. You know, where you've got those negative thoughts going in your head. Mm-hmm. And did you do a lot of, you know, when you had your cancer, did you do certain breathing exercises? Did they teach you things about the breath to calm your nervous system? Um, I have done some breath work. One of the things I love is Andrew Weil's um, 478 breathing. 478 breathing is really simple. And I teach my my uh, clients this all the time. It, you just You just sit quietly. You put your tongue behind your teeth up on the top. Um, with that thing where you always burn when you eat pizza. Yes. And you breathe in to the count of four. You hold your breath to the count of seven, and then you blow out to the count of eight. Wow. And this opens up all of the hormones and everything in the brain that tells your body it's time to really, really relax. One of the things it's useful for um, is... When we wake up in the middle of the night and we can't go back to sleep, if you do this three, four times, you won't make it to the fourth or fifth time doing it. That would be amazing. You'll be back to sleep. You'll be you'll be so back to sleep. And even during the day, just most of the time, people don't really breathe. I think I've had people set their um, alarm on their phone <laughs> to to the alarm goes off, stop, and take five deep breaths, just so you're oxygenating your blood. Yeah, because we stop breathing when we get upset. And, you know, you end up holding the breath and then mm-hmm. the body tenses up and then all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff happens. Mm-hmm. So that's a really important part of it, too. And that's something that we can all do, you know, during COVID. I, you know, as everybody else, you know, you just want to be over. You just want to move through it as anything in your life that's uncomfortable, whether it's cancer, whether it's COVID, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, can we just get through this and move on? Yeah, let's get back to what we were. But I don't really think that's going to happen. We're, no, there's no back to what we were. There's no yeah. back to what we were. No. No. But when no. you look at it, it's really interesting that we're talking about this, Denise, because when we look at how you move through your cancer and now we're kind of, we're talking about COVID, it's the walk mm-hmm. and how you choose to go through it. And there are days, and I'm, you could probably say, you could probably agree to this. There were days where you were f- feeling really strong and you felt that you could do better. And maybe there, and you did better, I should say, and you did better. And there were days when you didn't have the strength. No, no, many days I had nothing in the tank. And I think that if we can, you know, uh, Americans, you know, we're hard workers. I'm a hard worker, you know, and for me to sit still, be still and, and say, it's okay if I don't do this today, or it's okay if I don't finish this today, Mm -hmm. I'm getting better at that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important for all of us because we make these lists, we have these ideas of things we want to do, but when you move with spirit, with whatever's going on, like you say, putting your hand on your heart and really 
doing the inner work and looking, where am I at right now? Can I even do this right now? So it's all that inner work that you've been talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something that we need to carry that's what? where it all begins. And I said, you know, curing is the work of the doctor, healing me from the inside out to the work of my soul. And that yeah. is the work of a patient's soul. And, you know, like I talk about challenges, they challenges, people want to shy away from them. They are doorways to transformation. Yeah. And you need to go through them if you want to transform and have a transformed life. You mm -hmm. need to, you can't, you know, walk through a door, you'll bust your nose. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you have to break your nose. You, you got to just allow that challenge. You, you got to allow that's a doorway to transformation. Open the door a little bit. Open the door a little more. Open the door a little more. Yeah. You know, Denise, yeah. did your whole entire family change from all of this too? Because they walked. They mean, well, you know, it was, a, it was, yes, and I think so. But, you know, I have a very big family. My immediate family alone is 75 people. My brother's sisters, their kids, and their kids' kids. Um, and my, my brother-in-law uh, was diagnosed not long before me, and he ended up dying. My sister-in-law was diagnosed uh, two years before me, and she ended up dying the week before I sang the national anthem at Fenway. Mm. So it was a really, really hard time. It was a really tough time on my family. And sure I sounds like it. And I was, you know, I mean, I was really sick. But, you know, the more I cancer beat my body up, the more my spirit soared. And I think, you know, we aren't our bodies. People get too attached to what the Buddhas call our skin bag. Yeah. This isn't going, it, you know, it's going to go back to the Mother Earth or whatever. Did you just say skin bag? <laughs> yeah. That's what the Buddhas call it. Your okay. body. It's a skin bag. Okay. All right. Skin bag. Yeah. Hey, you know, before we end the show, um, I really wanted you to talk, talk about your experience at Fenway Parks. We need to hear that. When you, how many people was, what, like 35, 37,600 people in Fenway Park. I, yeah. I, how did you feel? Oh, it was an out-of-body experience. It I was, know. Were you like, you nervous? I mean, I... Oh, I, my God. You think that? <laughs> yeah. Hello. You didn't look nervous. I know I didn't, but I was pretty nervous. I was pretty, pretty nervous. Um, you know, again, we don't have time, but, you know, if people well, are... Just, a little bit. we we got a few minutes. Go ahead. Yeah. No, it was, it was just a magical time, a magical day, and it wasn't about me. You know, it, it was about all the people... And anyone who's ever been touched by cancer, and that's who I sang for, and it was um, it was quite an honor, and it was it was the day that the Pan Mass Challenge was celebrated mm. at Fenway because the Boston Red Sox were the presenting sponsor for this huge athletic fundraiser, which is wow. which was you know it's the biggest fundraiser in the world. They raised uh -huh. you know forty, fifty, sixty million dollars a year with this ride. I don't know what's yeah. going to happen this year. Yeah, but um, it was it was a wonderful experience. It was and it was a beautiful night. It was an evening game. It was it was just precious. it was and and the people oh. the way that they treated you it, it was really, amazing. This is the one thing about the documentary. We're gonna I'm gonna we're gonna move forward a little bit because I know we're getting time to close. But I want to say I was when I read your book and I'm looking at the picture of Fenway Park on your book. I wanted to see that. I yeah. wanted to see you sing. And yeah. so I was so happy. I kept thinking while I was watching the documentary, God, I hope she shows the footage from her singing. Yeah, yeah. It was quite an honor to see you sing. And it's something that I always, always, always wanted to do. Oh. It's, 
you know, is just hear that and see that ever since I've known you. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, I really loved it. Now, do me a favor and tell us where people can get a hold of you if they want to talk to you. Well, they can email me at Denise, D-E-N-I-S-E, at Denise, D-E-N-I-S-E, D-Simone, D-E-S-I-M-O-N-E dot com. So it's my first name at my first and last name dot com. That's my website. They can go to DeniseDSimone.com. They can email me through there. They can sign up for my daily dose, which I send out a bit of inspiration every day. They can call me. They can please find me on Facebook. Um, Just search Denise D. Simone. You'll find me. I'm in uh, Boston, that area, and Instagram. And you can go on to my website if you want to buy a book. I would love it. I love it when people go to my website because I can – get to know them and I can write them in a note inside the book and autograph it. And, um, and it's such a great book. I totally recommend this book. I read it a couple times. And if you saw mine, it's all full of highlighting <laughs> pages and all kinds of stuff. So with that being said, Denise, I am so grateful that you came on today and I'm really happy. It Thank was you. a really beautiful show. And I will get that other information to you. Okay. Yep, and the documentary will be soon. So so get in touch with me, people. Let me know you're interested to see it. Um, Fantastic. Thank you so much. This was such a, a wonderful experience. Thank you, Nina. You're welcome. You're welcome. And we'll talk soon. Thanks, Denise. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So I hope you all enjoyed the show today. I loved interviewing Denise, and I hope that she was able to help you find some ways to find peace in your own heart. And and whatever you're going through inside of yourself, whether it be COVID or you're suffering from some other kind of disease or cancer, stay close to you. Stay close to your own heart and know how loved you are. Take care. Till next week, bookmark my show and we will talk soon. Bye-bye. We hope you have found hope in this week's edition of Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations. Please join your host, Nina Impala, for another program next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again soon.